Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Real quick, I hope you will consider subscribing to my daily email, my Substack, because we're going to be pushing a lot of news on election night. You get 15% off right now makes it reasonable for you for the year um, for the next 365 days text data to 33777 and click that link uh, y'all John Aslan is Joe Biden's pollster he is saying that this election could be a paradigm shift election I need you to understand what he's talking about here I also want to take your phone calls this hour. If you got questions about the election, 877-973-7425. But be patient with me. Let me read you this quote from John Aslan, the president's pollster. I think this could be a paradigm shift election where Republicans are not only making inroads with the Latino vote, but now they're making inroads with the African-American vote too. This is based on the last... Wall Street Journal poll of the election. The Republican Party is winning support from a larger share of black voters than in other recent elections and has improved its standing in the past few months among Latino voters. The latest Wall Street Journal poll finds adding to evidence of the party's increasing appeal among groups that have overwhelmingly favored Democratic candidates. About 17% of black voters say they would pick a Republican candidate for Congress over a Democrat in journal polls in late October and in August. That is a substantially larger share than the 8% of black voters who voted for Donald Trump in 2020 and the 8% who black GOP candidates in 2018 House races, as recorded by AP VoteCast, a large survey of voters who participated in those elections. That was an exit poll. Among Latino voters, Democrats held a lead of five percentage points over Republicans in their choice of congressional candidate, a narrower advantage than the Democrats' 11-point lead in August. Both findings suggest a deterioration in Democratic support as Latino voters show high degrees of concern about inflation and the direction of the economy. Latino voters in 2020 favored Biden over Trump by 28 percent and Democratic candidates by 31 points. Results of the presidential election in 2020 showed a meaningful move among Latino voters towards Trump and the GOP. But evidence that preferences among black voters had shifted has been mixed. I think this could be a paradigm shift election where Republicans are not only making inroads with the Latino vote, but they're now making inroads with the African-American vote, says John Azalon, who conducted the journal survey along with Tony Fabrizio, who served as, and served as President Biden's lead pollster in 2020. Mr. Fabri- Fabrizio was Trump's pollster in 2020. He says it's wholly possible that Republicans reach a new high watermark with African-American and Hispanic voters. Wes Anderson, a Republican pollster whose clients include the GOP Senate and gubernatorial campaign arms, called the shift a dramatic sea change and said his own surveys of Latino voters has shown increased preference. Analysts in both parties are looking for signs of whether the change in voting preference is durable or alternatively a temporary shift resulting from the current anxiety over inflation 
or the unique appeal of Trump. Democrats for more than a year have played down the idea that black Americans would switch to the Republicans. It's a bit of a misconception that black men are shifting away, Stacey Abrams told reporters. Whatever. Here's a problem for the Democrats. There are within the Democratic Party race hustlers, Stacey Abrams is one of them. They push and peddle racial grievance. Stacey Abrams is going to lose tomorrow to Brian Kemp. She's going to lose so decisively, the race will probably be called when polls close just after 7 p.m. She's going to lose badly. And her loss is going to take Herschel Walker across the finish line and take out Raphael Warnock with her. Democrats are begging for a runoff in Georgia. I They may get it, but I don't think they do. Because the Democrats' ground game in Georgia is so bad. Nationally, where the Democrats miss is, we, we are not talking about, I am not talking about, and do not hear me say that the Republicans will win a majority of the Hispanic vote or a majority of the black vote. They're not. They will not win a majority of the votes of either demographic group. They'll come closer with Latino voters, but not with black voters. But they don't have to. If they gain with both, they win. And if they maintain their gains over multiple election cycles, they win big. The Democrats have taken black and Hispanic voters for granted for decades. If you are a black person listening to me right now, and by the way, for those of you who are dismissive of that, I know what my listenership is at my flagship station in Atlanta. I know when I go to events and do live broadcasts, how many black men and women show up. I know they're listening. And when they look at their neighborhoods, what they see are crime and failing schools. And they see Democrats telling them they're not allowed to leave. They're not allowed to allow their children out. They see Democrats creating jobs for young white hipsters in skinny jeans and flannel shirts who come in godless from Oregon and build up in their neighborhoods and drive up property prices and force black families to move out. Gentrification is a thing, and it's the white progressives doing it. And the black families in my neck of the woods can't afford to live in the houses they inherited from their grandparents because the white people are moving in and driving up property prices and driving out the black families, and that's making the black families Republican in response to the white progressives who say all the right things but don't do any of the right things to keep black voters voting Democrat. And Hispanic voters in this country are not Hispanic voters. They're working-class voters who care about crime and jobs. They care about inflation. They care about gas prices. They care about their grocery bills. And the Democrats have wrecked the economy. And the Republicans don't need a majority of either one. They just need a growing minority of those voters. And they will build a coalition that makes them the dominant party at a time the Democrats are convinced that they are the dominant party and all they are is the party of Karens. I mean no pejorative to those of you named Karen. You know what I mean. Those white, bossy, 
upper income Democrats with the bad blonde haircuts who berate you at the grocery store for not wearing your mask and tell you your kids aren't allowed out of the failing public school to get into their kids' private school. Voters have had enough of those people, particularly black and Hispanic voters. They've had enough of those people. If the Democrats want them, those black and Hispanic voters want out of the Democratic Party. And it is President Joe Biden's pollster telling Democrats today in the Wall Street Journal that may be happening Bishop William Murphy is a black pastor in Atlanta. He told his congregation when Herschel, when, when Raphael Warnock came to speak on a recent Sunday that they have this thing in our community called voter apathy. You've got to express your voice through your vote. Democratic pastors in Democratic pulpits who are black love the Democratic Party. The problem is as black voters move to intergenerational, non-traditionally black churches, they become more Republican. Black voters who do not go to the black church are voting Republican more. And black voters who go to interracial churches that are evangelical vote Republican even more. And that's happening. For the longest time, black ministers on Sundays propped up the Democratic Party. And many of them are as well feeling left behind by the Democratic Party. And the demography is changing. The destiny of the Democrats is changing as black and Hispanic voters go right. Now, back to the phones, 877-973-7425. Jim, you're up next. What's going on? Well, uh, a little surprised, a little perplexed. Uh, a couple of few weeks ago, Kevin McCarthy, minor- House Minority Leader, came out and said, out of, seemingly out of the blue, says, we're not going to give a blank check to Ukraine. And a bunch of us kind of scratched our heads and said, what are you talking about? Now I'm seeing some ads this weekend about, starts out as anti-Biden, how many things are gone bad. Then they end it with, Biden has spent however many billions of dollars on Ukraine. This could be World War III. And and I thought, well, now wait a minute. Does McCarthy see something out there that I don't? Do you know anything about that? Or Yeah, um, so McCarthy's got a problem with his own Republicans from Marjorie Taylor Greene and others who they don't want to just keep throwing money at Ukraine. Now, I think we've got to fund Ukraine. I think we should fund Ukraine. But I also agree with Kevin McCarthy that we don't need to give a blank check to Ukraine. We've got to have offsets somewhere else. That's what McCarthy is doing. The Democrats are trying to scare voters. You should know that it is very popular to support Ukraine against Russia in this country, even among Republicans. McCarthy has to walk a delicate dance because people like Marjorie Taylor Greene have a base of support that is not dependent on Republicans being in the majority. So she can run roughshod over him in a way Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez cannot run roughshod over Nancy Pelosi because AOC depends on the Democrats being in the majority to get done what she wants. But McCarthy has to walk a tightrope among some Republicans who don't want to fund Ukraine at all, those who want to fund it with no limits, and those who want to fund it with some restraints. I'm in the fund it, but restrain. We got to have budget cuts. We got to have offsets. We got to be able to find the money from elsewhere uh, to build the wall and fund Ukraine to fight the Russians. And McCarthy is trying to do that tightrope walk, and I think he's going to have to. Um, and I, this is an issue that transcends 
demography, race, and party in this country, people understand the Russians are not our friends and better the Ukrainians fight them than us. And if we're selling the Ukrainians the weapons to fight, the arsenal of democracy can make some money in the process, which is a good thing for us. Vince, you're up next. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show, Vince. Vince, you there? Well, uh, nope, Vince is gone. Don't know what happened to Vince. Uh, I know what Vince was going to talk about, though. And you know what? Let me do this in the short segment when we come back. I'll go on and step out for a commercial break. Uh, Vince wanted to ask me about a situation in Georgia. Uh, not relevant probably for the rest of you outside of Georgia, but the longest-serving speaker of a House of Representatives in the nation happens to be the Speaker of the House in Georgia. And he is stepping aside, and a lot of people have asked me my thoughts on it because I am a big, 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 big critic of his. And so I will give you Georgia voters my unvarnished thoughts on that issue when I come back. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, taking your questions about the state of play in the election. Any other questions you got on this upcoming midterm? We are at election eve. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, up next, Eddie. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I appreciate what you do. And I just have a quick question. Uh, I'll preface it by saying, you know, I don't use Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Good for you. I don't you. post my food on, you know, pictures before I eat it. My question is, how is it when you go into vote, if your vote is private, can they tell that a aged white man walked into the polls or black or Hispanic? Oh, that's great. Uh, such a good question because it's in your voter registration profile. Um, mm -hmm. They they pull up every secretary of state in the nation makes available uh, your voter profile. So they know your race. They know your gender. They typically know the year you were born, but not the 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 date. Uh, and they know when you voted. So they can't tell whether you voted for a Republican or a Democrat, but they can tell that you showed up and voted in a Democratic primary or a Republican primary, that you vote only in general elections, that you voted right. in 2020 but not in 2018. They can get all that. What they can then do is buy your commercial profile from various advertisers, like, for example, uh, your credit card company, so they can see what you spend your money on. Uh, in, in general, they can't see all the they can't see the amounts and things like that, but they can see where you're spending your money. Uh, they can also then get information from the cable providers. So we want to find out. We know your address now. Let's see what sort of things you watch on TV, and they can track all that information. They can get That's your great. TV subscriptions, your uh, magazine subscriptions. They can get all this sort of information is readily available for them, uh, and they put it into a big profile. It's interesting because there's an ad on TV, and it's got like a generic seal, and it says, 
Um, we can't see who you vote for, but we can, you know, your neighbors can see that you voted. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yeah, yeah, like I haven't generic, seen the uh, ad, evil. but uh, people are also getting postcards in the mail with that. Uh, I personally consider it voter intimidation, and it is the Democrats that are doing this uh, to try to motivate people to vote, particularly black voters, to vote this time. Uh, they're trying to essentially say, hey, we're going to know if you didn't vote, so you better go vote. I actually think it does more harm than good. I think it motivates them. But I will tell you this, uh, an Obama campaign pollster told me that uh, the most impactful message that they were able to use in 2012 to get voters to vote uh, for Obama was to tell them that we know how you vote and we know that your neighbors vote Republican, so you better go vote. Uh, and that motivated voters to go vote in ways that it otherwise didn't. I think it's creepy as hell. I would never do this uh, if I was advising a campaign. But the Democrats and the Republicans, they both do it. Uh, the Republicans have done it before. The Democrats do it as well. It's a kind of a bipartisan campaign tactic at this point that I just find to be detestable, but it is what they do. Cindy, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. How are you? Fine, thank you, and good luck to your wife tomorrow. She'll be in my prayers. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say um, this newly filed ACLU lawsuit in Cobb County over the 1,000 uh, absent a mail-in ballots that supposedly didn't get in the mail. Um, is that a new excuse? I saw in the article. It's, it's, so it's Gwinnett County, got, not Cobb County. No, it, it, well, it was your flagship station that put it on there. Oh, oh um, was it? Oh, let, let me check. Talking I thought it about, was. Go ahead. I'm sorry, but they were talking about, well, they also changed the article, and I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But originally they were saying that it was it was an error by somebody at the poll or in the, you know, in the group, and they forgot to mail them. Oh, yep, yep. But okay, you're right. To... I see it. It was Cobb. Um, it was not, I thought it was Gwinnett County. So for those of you who don't know, Cobb County, Georgia, a big county. It's moved Democrat over time, and a 1,000 absentee voter uh, ballots failed to get uh, mailed out. My question was that, you know, the first time I saw the article, they were saying they rectified a lot of it because they found – that many of those people had already come in person and voted instead, and they overnighted several. Mm -hmm. And so it basically got whittled down to just a little under 500. But yet the way it's being talked about now, they're mentioning the over 1,000. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm, I'm okay. So, yep. Okay. So, so here, here's the answer. And thank you for the phone call. I was actually going to get to the story, but I'm glad you corrected me because I was looking for, for Gwinnett County. So it was a thousand forty-eight ballots the, that did not get filed. Uh, it happened this past weekend. Uh, it was new staff members. They didn't follow procedures over two days. They say. Um, so election staff overnighted absentee ballots to eighty-three out-of-state addresses. Um, and 271 of the people canceled their ballot requests and voted in person. The remaining 498 voters are urged to show up in person on Election Day. If their ballots do not show up in time, they will be accommodated. They have been listed. This is a major screw-up. Now, interestingly enough, Cobb County's a county that has trended Democrat over the last few years. And there is some speculation that black voters in Cobb County – are shifting to the right based on some patterns that showed up at election uh, early voting and some polling that was conducted of Cobb County voters. It's a major, major growing Democratic area in the state of Georgia. A Democrat-run Board of Elections made the screw up, and it's going to be interesting to watch this play out. 
Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation, 877-973-7425. I know those of you listening as a national audience don't care about this next topic, and I need to apologize in advance. I've saved it till the the end of the show. But just very briefly, because I get a ton of calls from Georgia listeners, and I should set the stage for you. I I am uh, somewhat of an antagonist and critic. Of the uh, somewhat, <laughs> if you've listened for a long time in Georgia, you know I am not a fan of the Speaker of the House of Representatives in Georgia, uh, or of his his top lieutenant um, Spiro. What's his face? I I think they are bullies. Uh, I think they have um, they have betrayed conservatives a lot. Uh, but I will say I defended the Speaker of the House this last session on some of his legislation, including his mental health legislation. Because uh, I think he got that right uh, in his approach, even though I think it needed some tweaking and fixing. We ultimately got a pretty good bill out of it. But I'm not a fan. I I, I think he he he's, uh, stabs conservatives in the back. He doesn't like social conservative issues. Uh, he has been a regular thorn in my side in advance of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Georgia is one of a handful of states that doesn't have it. Uh, and he uh, only let it pass when he knew that uh, the former governor would veto it after promising to sign it into law. Uh, it's just been a, a real betrayal of conservatives. And he is the longest-serving Speaker of the House in the nation, to my knowledge, right now. Uh, but he has decided to step aside. And I'm not a fan of his, but I am praying for the man, because though I'm not a fan of his, uh, he is in poor health at this point. And I don't wish that on anyone. I would rather have him stay speaker and be a foil to the things I want done than have him uh, suffer with illness. And he has, in fact, been a strong leader in the state, whether I like him or not. Uh, I cannot uh, dispute his authority and leadership in the state, so I am praying for him. Uh, and I'm I'm kind of perturbed by some friends of mine who seem to be cheering this development on because while I would prefer a different speaker, uh, I would prefer him to him in bad health having to leave. Don't wish that on anybody, including him. Uh, I may not care for his politics, um, but I wish him well and and hope he gets better. Um, now, that being said, we need to move on to other things. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I got to play you this from Fox News. This conversation actually was with uh, Stephanie Rule. The clip comes from Fox News, from The Five, airing it. Uh, but it was a conversation Kathy Huchel, the governor of New York, had with Stephanie Rule on MSNBC. No governor has spent more money than I have on public safety in history. Okay, but I'm going to interrupt you then. Here's the problem. We don't feel safe. You might be working closely with Mayor Adams. You may have spent a whole lot of money, but I walk into my pharmacy and everything is on lockdown because of shoplifters. I'm not going in the subway. People don't feel safe in this town. So you may have done these things, but right now we're not feeling good. We're worried we could be San Francisco. That's an MSNBC anchor. And I, I so let me let me tell you, I was in New York over the summer. Had to go up for a business meeting, and I stayed in a very nice part of Soho, south of, of Houston, south of Houston. Um, I, I stayed in a very nice hotel. Used to actually be the Trump Soho. It's now a, a fancier hotel. 
And I went out at night, and the doorman told me to be careful. And I went uh, diagonally across from the hotel. There was a CVS, and I needed to go in because I had forgotten my toothpaste, and I needed to go buy toothpaste. Literally everything was locked behind boxes. You had to have a store uh, security person come unlock to get toothpaste, to get toothpaste, to get baby formula, to get razor blades, to get anything. You had to have ev- literally every shelf was locked, and you had to wait for a store attendant to come unlock the shelf to get something. It was the craziest. I've never seen anything like Like, I've seen the razor blades on lockdown because they're expensive. I've seen the baby formula on lockdown because they're expensive. But, I mean, from the condoms to the toothpaste to the toothbrushes to the ibuprofen, everything was locked behind a, a glass panel or a plexiglass panel, and you had to get a store operator to come unlock it to get anything. It was truly a bizarre experience moment, and it was a nice part of town. And that's happening around the nation. And it's got people very, very perturbed about the state of New York in particular. I really do think Lee Zeldin wins tomorrow. There's a growing chatter in the White House that Lee Zeldin is going to win. A come-from-behind win for Lee Zeldin, the Republican who had been attacked as an election denier and New Yorkers don't care what they care about is change because they don't feel safe. It's very interesting to me that there was a story by Edward Isaac DeVore at CNN on Friday. Edward Isaac DeVore is a progressive writer. He is one of the White House's favorite people to leak things to. He is unquestionably progressive. And He wrote a story how Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, is going to get blamed for Kathy Huchel's coming loss because he elevated crime as an issue in the public. Now, the public did not need it elevated. There's a crime wave in New York City. Mona Sharon, who writes at The Bulwark, actually had a piece up this weekend that said, with the exception of murder, crime's actually down in this country. I mean, that's like saying, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? With the exception of murder, crime is actually down in this country. Oh, so you're saying people are still dying. Two weeks ago, someone was shoved into the path of an oncoming subway train in New York subways. It was caught on film. People don't feel safe anymore in New York. And the spit is that, well, it's not that crime is bad. It's just that we're talking about it too much. That's exactly why they're going to lose. Because they would tell you, rather tell you you're wrong than talk about your issue. Y'all, this is politics 101. You talk about the voters, the issues the voters care about, not the issues you care about. And if you're a Democrat, you care about abortion and you care about Donald Trump. Voters care about crime right now and they care about the economy right now. You got to talk about those issues to try to mitigate your damage. It's just, it, it's dumb that they're failing so poorly at politics 101. 877-973-7425 is the number. Bo, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Bo. Hi. Love your show, and I pray for your wife. Thank you. Um, I, I heard uh, Bert Jones last week, and uh, you you know you introduced him as uh, the next lieutenant governor. I, I see a lot of negative ads from Charlie Bailey, and also I see a lot of negative ads from, what is his name, Jim, Jim Jurgens uh, against Chris Carr. Yeah. But I see very little. From the other side, I've seen nothing from Burt Jones. Right. 
and, and very, you know, do you think they're going to be able to ride the wave? Or oh, yeah. Is there, oh, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Uh, um, nobody cares about Jim Jordan's ads, who's running for attorney general of Jordan, uh, in Georgia. Nobody cares uh-huh. about Charlie Bailey's ads, who's running for lieutenant right. governor. Uh, they care right. about Brian Kemp, and they care about Herschel Walker, and they're going to go vote R down the ballot, and they're going to get all these people elected. There is not a poll, including an Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll, that shows any Democrat winning in the state of Georgia. And the reason is not because of the ads. The reason is because the Democrats in Georgia decided to play a cloistered existence campaign and not go anywhere where they may encounter anyone who disagrees with them. So the, their lieutenant governor's candidate, their attorney general candidate, their gubernatorial candidate, they tried to play it super safe and alienated themselves from voters around the state of Georgia. Um, I, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who's a radio show host here in Georgia who said that um, Jen Jordan, who's running for attorney general in Georgia, and famously said she would not enforce laws she disagreed with, refused to go on this radio program after Marjorie Taylor Greene went on the program because she didn't want to go on a program where she might encounter people who would listen to the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene. That kind of tells you everything you need to know about the cloistered existence of the Democrats and Republicans, uh, particularly the Democrats right now. Now, i got to play this audio from Paul Begala. Uh, CNN and MSNBC are having um, orgasmic media coverage at this moment of the rumor that Donald Trump may announce he's running for president tonight at a J.D. Vance rally. Uh, that they are wall-to-wall coverage of Donald Trump at the very end of this election is not something the GOP wanted. He can't help himself. He took after Ron DeSantis this weekend. DeSantis up for re-election tomorrow, and he was attacked by Donald Trump on stage over the weekend as Ron DeSanctimonious attacked him for his handling of COVID, of all things. Here is Paul Begal, a Democrat who makes a necessary point. And and. Asa Hutchinson, who was on our air recently, all but announcing the governor of Arkansas. He's term limited. Um, maybe Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, who used to be a Trump ally. This is the problem. And, Abby, you hit it exactly right, which is Trump has always been a plurality candidate. He's got a bulletproof plurality. But he has never, in the primaries in 2016, he never commanded a majority support in his party until the very end. And in the country, he never did. By the way, not that I'm a fan of Ron DeSantis, but he has done something Donald Trump has never done. He's gotten more votes than the Democrats. <laughs> Trump has never done that, and he never will, because he's a minority candidate. He's a plurality candidate for a, a fanatically committed fringe. Well, they would be committed for a functional health He's not wrong. DeSantis is probably going to win by 10 points in Florida. He's going to win a majority vote. Donald Trump never won a majority vote. Even against Hillary Clinton, he won the Electoral College, which is how you win the presidency in this country but did not but did not win a majority vote and i just don't know that an octogenarian needs to run for president for the republicans what i also think needs to not happen is for donald trump to announce today uh to give the media massive cover for the very late breaking undecideds tomorrow to shift back to the democrats because when the republicans dipped in the polls in august september it was because mar-a-lago was the front headline and I just think that would be a problem. Now, back to the phones we go. Ken, you're going to be the last caller today. Welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Uh, glad to be able to ask you a question. I just have a simple one. What if I'm an independent voter? I generally vote conservative. But what if the Democrats do surprisingly well 
Could there be a reason that you can see? Yes, uh, a couple of reasons. Um, I, one would be that the the theory of the race on our side was wrong, that we really thought it was crime and the economy and inflation that mattered. And it turned out it really was uh, people concerned about threats to democracy, Donald Trump, and abortion. Uh, if the Democrats overperform tomorrow, uh, the Republicans will have to consider candidate quality. I mean, they should consider candidate quality like Dr. Oz. Uh, I may like him better than Fetterman, but he's a New Jersey transplant who is kind of out of touch with a lot of Pennsylvania voters. And that matters. Candidate quality matters. If the Democrats overperform, Republicans have to consider candidate quality. If the Democrats overperform, the Republicans have to consider Donald Trump being in the spotlight does not help them. And if the Democrats are performed, Republicans are going to have to rethink their strategy on dealing with abortion as an issue because those are the things the Democrats made at display. Do I think the Democrats overperformed tomorrow? No. If they do, the pollsters also uh, unanimously screwed up. Nate Cohen in the New York Times actually had an interesting point that uh, there have been so many partisan polls of the Republicans lately that it actually fixes the polling average problems. If the polling averages were overcompensating for Democratic gains and strength. The Republican pollsters coming in with an overinflated Republican vote balance that out. Uh, so even if they're wrong, they help fix the average by being predominantly Republican. I actually suspect that the Republicans are going to do better than people think tomorrow. The reason I think that is because of history, and I think the press has been willfully spun by Democrats for two reasons. One, uh, the press is sympathetic to the Democrats, doesn't like Trump. They do think there's a threat to democracy, and that's what matters. So they're sympathetic to Democratic talking points. And two, they're also more scared of the Democratic partisans. Uh, they don't want to have their phone lines burned up when they say the GOP is going to win by the Democrats. This happens to me, y'all. This, this happens to me. When I say something critical of Republicans on this program, I just got to turn my phone off. Because people who have my phone number who disagree with me feel like because they have my phone number, they can just text me their disagreement with me. Or they give my phone number to friends who want to call and, and take issue with what I've said. And I don't care, and I'm not going to not do it. I know how to turn my phone off. Also reminds me I need to get a new phone number that I don't give these people. But nonetheless, you get my point. Speaking of phone numbers to give to people, I did get a Patriot mobile line for one phone number that I've had for a while that most people now call. And it has worked great, and I can tell you the coverage is good. And you can get great guaranteed good coverage from Patriot Mobile as well. They use the same cell towers that everybody else uses. But I know that by being a Patriot Mobile customer, I am ensuring that a portion of their profits goes to the conservative movement, and you can too. By going to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric today, PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, you get guaranteed great service from Patriot Mobile. You contribute to the conservative movement. They are good Christian conservatives. The company was designed to help the conservative cause, but they also use the same cell towers everybody else uses. They support the Second Amendment. They support the pro-life cause. They support parents who are conservatives running for school board races around the country who are fighting back against the wokes. In fact, in 11 of 11 races you know, for school boards around the country, the conservatives backed by Patriot Mobile won as a trial run, and now they're expanding that effort. You should do business with Patriot Mobile because they share your values. They want your business. You get good service. You get free activation with my name, patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them. They have 100% U.S. Based customer service. 972-PATRIOT is the number. Tell them I sent you. Get that great coverage. Hello there. I am Eric Erickson. This is my show, and I am delighted to have you with me. The phone number is 
7425 should you wish to be on this here program would be delighted to have you now here at the end i gotta tell you that we've been missing the big story here it is the story that we are supposed to be talking about that i have avoided like the plague today here now the u.n secretary general this UN climate conference is a reminder that the answer is in our hands. And the clock is ticking. We are in the fight of our lives and we are losing. Greenhouse gas emissions keep growing. Global temperatures keep rising. And our planet is fast approaching tipping points that will make climate chaos irreversible. We are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. Oh, good Lord. Um, on a highway to climate hell. He also told us that we should not allow Ukraine to distract us from this. He, he actually said this. The war in Ukraine, other conflicts have caused so much bloodshed and violence and they have dramatic impacts all over the world. But we cannot, we cannot accept that our attention is not focused on climate change we must work together to support peace efforts and end the tremendous suffering. But climate change is on a different timeline and on a different scale. It is the defining issue of our age. No, it is not. I know on the left you think that, but you also think our democracy is threatened and your uteruses are threatened and none of them are. You have whipped yourself into an unhinged frenzy. You have done it to yourselves. Nobody else has. You alone have done this. It's not a healthy mental state to live in, and it breeds despair and violence. Tomorrow, I suspect Republicans are going to do well across the nation. So well that the media is trying to downplay it and say, well, we really don't know. Turnout matters. It's all going to come down to turnout. So you Democrats better turn out. Please, 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 please turn out. I think the Republicans do well. And they take back Congress. And Biden will have to come to the middle as best he can. And he won't. He won't be able to. Which means there will be lots of fights. And the climate agenda will be one of the things on the chopping block for Republicans in the budget. And the Democrats will go hysterical about it, and it will still get cut. I mean, the politics of outrage is going to be back after tomorrow. Democrats will scream about every single thing. Crime will suddenly be a problem, and it will be the Republicans' fault.